You are listening to the Vine Church Sermon Podcast. Thanks for joining us. For more information about the Vine Church, please visit our website at www.thevinemadison.org. Why don't we go ahead and find our seats, and uh, we'll get going here. So glad you guys are here today with us. All right, we are continuing in our series on the book of Hebrews. And then the next two weeks, uh, let's see, yeah, two weeks we'll do a kind of an Advent series, uh, anticipating the, the coming of Jesus to earth and the Christmas celebration. And then, of course, on Christmas Eve, our service at five o'clock where we celebrate that. And then we'll return to Hebrews uh, in the new year, okay? So one more sermon on Hebrews before we take a little break. And we're starting in chapter two. So if you have a Bible, would you open it? to Hebrews chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible, there's some on the back tables. You can have that if you don't own one. We'd love to have you have that. Hebrews chapter 2, starting in verse 1. And Emerson, you can put that first verse on the screen there. Thanks. I'll just read the whole text, but we're going to focus most of our time this morning on this first verse. Therefore says, we must pay much closer attention. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, would you help us have eyes to see, ears to hear? Pray, Lord, that the words of of this text that have been read for a couple millennia now and have fed believers for all time since your death and resurrection. Pray that that it would feed us this morning, that we would come hungry this morning to receive from your word and to cherish what it says. Would you help us by the power of your spirit to do this? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So look at the, the first word there. Uh, a lot of you have heard me harp on this before, but some of you are new to your Bible, some of you are new to our church. Uh, so I'm going to keep harping on it because it's a really big deal. When you see the word therefore, what's the therefore therefore, right? What's the therefore therefore? It's super important to understand this skill as we seek to interpret our Bibles. When you see the word therefore, it's always connecting you to what precedes it, right? We all know how this works. If I say, put on a, or it's really cold outside, therefore, put on a coat, right? So the putting on a coat is connected to what I just said right before it, it's it's cold outside. And you see this all over your Bibles, and it helps you not just read your Bible in isolation, it helps you read your Bible more as a whole. So when I come to verse 1 of chapter 2, and I read, maybe in the morning, in my daily Bible reading plan, and it's Hebrews chapter 2, and I read, therefore, we must pay closer attention to what we have heard. I'm immediately thinking, why, why did he put therefore there? 
And I'm probably going to go back and read what preceded it. And that's really going to help me understand verse 1 and verse 2 of chapter 2, right? Because it's connected. We, we never, not never, but, and you'll see us do this, but like as a, as a general practice, don't just read single Bible verses. All these epistles of the New Testament were meant to be read as a whole, like out loud in a congre- in an ancient congregation in in Thessalonica or in uh, Ephesus, right? Paul, when he wrote these letters, or the author of Hebrews, when he wrote this letter, he wasn't intending this to 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 be read one verse at a time. It's all connected, okay? And so we some sometimes preach one verse at a time, but we have to always remember that it's one one big whole. And so these words, these little words are so important to help us remember that and to see what chapter two is standing on the shoulders of chapter one. You with me? So what's he standing on the shoulders of? Well, we have to review what was chapter two. And some of you weren't here uh, the last couple of weeks. And so let me just remind you, what was chapter one all about? That he's drawing on logically today in our text for today. Well, in chapter 1, what did we learn? We learned that the author of Hebrews is making a really strong case for what we would call a huge Christology. What does that mean? He's just making the case that Jesus is really, really big and beautiful and powerful and superior to all things in creation. Jesus is at the top of the hierarchy. There's lots of cool things in this world, seen and unseen. Unseen things like angels are amazing and the Bible testifies to them, but the author goes to great lengths and to great pains to say, Jesus is better. He is better. He's superior. He is Lord. He was there at the beginning of creation. He is the creator. He draws on the mystery of the Trinity, that that Jesus is the capital S Son of God, second person in the Trinity, and he is a full person. He is fully God, he's eternal, he's creator, he's capital L, Lord. So he just, he just goes over and over and over again, all through chapter 1, to just paint this picture that Jesus is superior. He is great. The scope of his Christology, the depth of it, the wonder of it, he just declares things. There's, there's no command in chapter 1 really about anything. That's what we get to today. So he's just making his case with all of these declarations that Jesus is great, that he is Lord. And then today, in chapter 2, he turns to the implications. Okay? In light of the declarations, there's implications. And that's what we're getting to today. Now let's take a look. Okay, so keep all that in mind. Chapter 1 is on the brain. And now we turn to chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, we must pay much... Okay, so remember, because Jesus is Lord, we could could say that. Replace therefore with, because Jesus is superior over all things in the universe, because Jesus is creator, capital C, because he's Lord, capital L, because he is the Son, capital S, of God, and is God. What should we do? Okay, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, 
lest we drip, drift away from it. Lest we drift away from it. Two main implications. Did you see it in verse 1? Two main implications. What are they? Pay much closer attention. What does that mean? It means listen. Listen. Pay much closer attention. Look at it in verse 1. And then secondly, don't drift. Don't drift. Since Jesus is Lord and Lord of all things, every place, everywhere, for all time, past, present, and future, since he has spoken in space, time, and history, in a real place, on this globe, 2,000 years ago, you can go and walk where he walked. Since this is true, the question is, what do we do? Since it's true, what do we do? And, and the author of Hebrews is saying, here's what I want you to do. I want you to pay attention. I want you to pay attention. And I don't want you to drift. I don't want you to drift. He say, listen very carefully. So let's take these one at a time. First, first of all, he says, we must, listen to the emphasis of these words. We must pay much closer attention. You, you, you hear the, the urgency in, in his heart there? We must pay much closer attention to the things we have heard. There's a lot we could say about this. There, there's a million things in our human experience in our culture today, that are screaming at you for your attention. And we're so numb to it because it's just the way it is. It's just the water we swim in. But a lot of us know, and, and we've, we've, we've read the research, and we've heard, and we've watched the documentaries, that there's a billion-dollar industry paying millions and millions of dollars to figure out how to get your attention. Your attention equals big money. And this is super motivating for lots of owners of big businesses and their shareholders. Nowadays, we even have a term. It's called the attention economy. The attention economy. And that's just what I described. So now more than ever, mainly through the technology we hold in our hands, there is a battle for your attention. Like these companies have declared war on Hebrews 2 verse 1. You see that? Now consider this. The, the author of Hebrews could never have conceived of these things that we hold in our pockets. I mean. The author of Hebrews, like, it would have just sounded like, like something so incomprehensible to the author of Hebrews 2,000 years ago. The power of an iPhone, the power of YouTube. But even he was exhorting his audience 2,000 years ago. They're not dumber. They just don't have the same technology that we do, right? It's important we, we recognize that, lest we have arrogance in our hearts, but even he was exhorting his audience to pay attention to what they're paying attention to. You with me? Think about that. 
how much more should we be careful to heed this verse? Like we carry around in our pockets these little attention-seeking devices that can numb us to death with constant content that takes our attention. I, I would venture for most of us in the room today, the great spiritual battle is probably not the scary sins of sex, drugs, and alcohol. Although we have to be on our guard against those things as well. But see, Satan doesn't need those things to destroy you spiritually. He just needs to keep you distracted. Consider what Jesus said in the parable of the sower. A lot of you are familiar with the parable of the sower. Some of you aren't. And that's, that's totally okay. We're glad you're here. Jesus told this. I'll just summarize it for you. Jesus just told this famous parable about a sower, someone like a farmer, agricultural imagery. A farmer goes out and he plants seed in the ground. And some of that seed grows up to bear fruit. In the metaphor, other seed does not. And here is, there's four different groups of seed that he kind of plants in the ground. And Jesus talks about each one. This is, this is the third kind of seed. He describes it like this. And Jesus, or sorry, and others are the ones sown among thorns. And he explains, here's how the metaphor works. Those are, they are those who hear the word, but check it out. The cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. What, what is he saying? He's saying if you pay attention to other things as your priority, over time, like a seed, like a seed, it doesn't happen overnight, right? It's over time, that seed doesn't bear any fruit. It's just focused on other stuff. Focused on the world, on money, desires for other things. Listening to, paying attention to other things. Such that, according to Jesus, he, he's pushed out. Squashed, belittled. So Jesus is just saying, this is how it works spiritually. There's certain people that don't finish in the Christian life. Because they're just distracted. You just have other priorities. And this is the spiritual death that the author of Hebrews is warning against. And consider this. It, it might not look like that violent of a death. What's the word he uses in verse 1? Look at it. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. Lest we drift away from it. I have a poignant example in my memory of, of drifting. Many years ago, um, my wife Kim and I, we were visiting her family out in Virginia, and every time we go visit them, we always go to the beach. And my wife has this dream, or she used to have a dream, she probably would still go for it if we could figure out how to pull it off, of being a marine biologist. And, and she just has this fascination with animals and, and uh, aquatic creatures. And so we have these boogie boards, and we're out, you know, a little bit away from the shore, 
where we, you know we we had to have a, a flotation device, and we see a, out farther out to sea some dolphins, and Kim's like, "Let's go!" So we're 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 swimming out to where these dolphins are, and it's really cool. Like these dolphins are amazing creatures, and they're not really scared of humans, and they don't run off. They're just kind of swimming in and out. You know, um, not that far from us. It was really, really cool. And so we're kind of caught up in just the idea of being around these dolphins. And slowly, you know, we didn't realize it because we're, we're just hanging out with these dolphins. Uh, we're, we're drifting farther and farther out into the ocean on these boogie boards we were holding on to. And I just remember looking back at the beach and... uh my mother-in-law is just like waving her arms and like screaming at us, like swim back in, swim back in because she's, she's been to the beach a lot. We're just Midwestern folks. We don't know this ocean stuff, you know, and she knows better than we do that, like how drifting can be really dangerous. You know, the power of the ocean is terrifying. It really is. And if you don't know what you're doing, if you're, if you're not uh, really aware of that kind of environment and what the ocean can do, um, you can end up in trouble in a hurry. And you might not realize it until it's too late because you're just drifting. It happens really slowly. And we were focused on these dolphins. And it felt calm and it felt simple. And I think that, that analogy really works well with what the author of Hebrews is saying when it comes to drifting. It's the same with our faith. Drifting is a real thing. I saw this really, really painfully for me with a dear friend in the last five years. It, it, it's, it's like take a step in one direction. That doesn't get checked. Take a step in the next direction. That doesn't get checked. Then, then another step. Each little step just feels kind of safe and slow. But they don't get checked. And after a few years... I, I can't say this person is a Christian anymore based on how they're living. I mean, I don't know for sure. I don't know anyone's heart exhaustively. But it didn't happen overnight. It came by drifting. See, we don't have to like vehemently, passionately be opposed to the gospel. We just need to drift a little. Then a little more, and then a little more, and very soon you're out to sea and you can't even see the beach anymore. You can't see anybody waving their arms saying, hey, don't go any farther. You can't even see them. Listen to what a senior demon says to a junior demon in C.S. Lewis's classic, The Screwtape Letters. He says, the safest road to hell is the gradual one, the gentle slope, the soft underfoot without sudden turnings without milestones, without signposts. This is what the author of Hebrews is, is warning against. Dr. Al Mohler, he writes this in a commentary I read this week. The language of drifting conveys nautical imagery. In the ocean, those who row in the wrong direction are not the only ones who fail to reach their desired destination. It's also those who do not row at all. There are only two options in the Christian life. We can either sail forward in fidelity or we can drift backward in faithfulness. 
and faithlessness. We can either sail forward in fidelity or we can drift backward in faithlessness. There's no such thing as standing still in the Christian life. So let's pay careful attention to our attention. Let's pay careful attention to our attention. Are are there disciplines in our life that help us focus our attention to, like Colossians 3 says, set your mind on things above and not on earthly things. Like another question would be for some of us, do you feel numb spiritually? I know what that's like. I know what that's like. I think it's a good question, though, to, to ask yourself, if you feel numb spiritually, what have I been paying attention to lately or habitually? He says, look at verse 1. He says, pay attention to what you have heard. See that? Pay attention to what you have heard. I don't think he's talking about new information, but meditating on what you already know because we're so easily distracted, prone to drift, and forgetful. So I can't think of anything better in terms of an action point than just asking yourself, how much time do we spend in God's word? How much time do we spend in God's word? Like, if you were paying attention to every single moment in your day when your eyeballs fixate on something and that something is trying to get your attention or trying to to have you believe in something, like, what's the percentage, what's the proportion of how many messages are just coming at me all day long and there's that amount of information and then how much do I have in in God's word, just reminding myself of the truth, like what are the proportions? I mean, it's kind of scary if you think about it, right? Like do I have enough over here that can combat the lies that are coming at me from over here? It's good for us to consider that. Like do I have enough information here, enough belief here, enough treasuring of what God says here to deconstruct and detangle the lies that are coming at me from over here. You with me? The message that comes at us is, sex makes the world go round. It's like, wait, wait, wait. I need to be able to deconstruct that and go, no, 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 actually Jesus makes the world go round and he's better. Right? God's word is mainly how we listen. He says, pay attention to what you have heard. This is what we hear. This is what we hear. So let me just commend to you a plan for paying attention to what you have heard, like he says in verse 1. To continue to pay attention. To continue to see chapter 1, Jesus as Lord, as awesome as desirable, as beautiful. It it will help us see the beach and not drift. Let's keep reading. Let's, Let's continue to see why the author commends listening and paying attention 
to that which we have heard. And he makes a strong case here. Look at verse 2. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was, now listen, he, he says three reasons. There's three reasons that I want you to pay attention to. First, it was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to by those who heard, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed among, distributed according to his will. So see what he's doing here? He's arguing from the lesser to the greater, which is very common in the Bible. He's arguing from the lesser to the greater. Do you see it? He says, look at verse 2, the, the message declared by angels. That's just Bible speak here in this context for the giving of the Old Testament law. Okay, The Old Testament tells us that the law was given through the administration of angels. So he's making the case, look at verse 2. He's saying if the Old Testament people were called to listen to the law of God and believe it, and it was given through angels, and Jesus is clearly greater than angels, and he came and he spoke, how much more should we listen to him? You with me? See, arguing from lesser to the greater. It was like my, my kids, when they were little, they would get in an argument about something, about something that's true, or that's not true, yes it is, that's not true, yes it is. And they go back and forth, you know, bicker, bicker, bicker. And finally, someone would lay out the big trump card, and it would be, but dad said, and then it's just game over, like, no more debate. You know, dad said, mom said, da 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 oh, how can you argue with mom or dad? I mean, in, in a five-year-old's little mind, I mean, mom and dad are like, it's like that is the end all be all of justice and knowledge and truth, right? Mom and dad are the final authority in this world. And 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 the author of Hebrews is doing the same thing here. He's saying, just he's just saying that since Jesus is the final speaker for God and is God, even more so we should listen to him. Like those Old Testament people, they were called to listen and they only had the promise of a Messiah. Author of Hebrews is saying, we have the final authority not as promise, but as a reality. We've seen him. We beheld his glory, John chapter one. We've heard his voice. It's not on the screen, but just let me remind you what he says in the opening verses. Long ago, many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. That's Old Testament stuff, right? But in these last days, our day, he's spoken to us by his son, arguing from lesser to greater, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. I mean, he's just saying Jesus is it. Jesus has spoken. How much more should we listen? And that's the case he's making. Look at it again with me at the second half of verse 3. It was declared at first by the Lord. It was attested to us by those who heard. So like, 
John chapter 3, Jesus' baptism, Trinitarian picture. Jesus is there, the, 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 the dove, uh, something like a dove comes and descends that, that was the Holy Spirit. And the Father speaks and he says, this is my beloved Son whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. Says it at the transfiguration as well. Peter and, and John, they saw it. That's what the author of Hebrews is, is appealing to here. Like we saw these things. We heard the voice. And there's evidence of the Holy Spirit, he's saying, look at verse 4, all over the early church. The power of, of, the, of the Holy Spirit is alive. Read the book of Acts. That's the case that he's making here. You see this? In, and again, he's saying, in light of all this, how much more should we listen? How much more should we listen up? How much more should we be protected from drifting away from God by listening to the one who is Lord of all, King Jesus? So that's, that's the action point today. It's really simple. That's all he's calling for in our text for today. He's just saying, listen, listen, listen. There's so much protection from spiritual death in listening to God. Always remember, our God is a speaking God. He's revealed himself to us. He's calling out to us through his word and his spirit. But Jesus' question over and over again in the Gospels, to, to them then, to us today, through his word is, do you have ears to hear? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, I ask that we would have ears to hear. Would you supernaturally make that the case of us this morning? We know that apart from you, we can do nothing. And so we ask that these words of this text would be alive in us by the power of your spirit in our church. May it be true for everyone listening here today or listening online. Um, may it be true, Lord. We ask you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.